Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors. And we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to say thank you to our platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where teams communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Chris Four. Uh, he's a certified athletic administrator. He's also got quite a background. He's currently the principal at Palmdale Aerospace Academy out in California. Uh, he's currently the president of the California Coaches Association, and he also um, has a couple of other activities. He uh, runs the Coaches Locker Room podcast, a very popular podcast, and he also has a business, Eight Laces Consulting. Uh, we're going to let him talk about those uh, in the show, but Chris, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jake. I really appreciate it. Love talking uh, athletics, love talking athletic administration. So I, I appreciate you inviting me on today. Oh, absolutely. You know, we only have the, the very best and uh, very uh, pleased you could join us. Well, as you know, uh, it's a crazy time for athletic directors, a crazy time for principals too. So we're going to jump right into it. Uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school and college, and, and how maybe a love of sports got you started on this path of uh, education. Well, I'd say a great place to start. My love of sports started where, where I grew up in a little town down in San Diego called uh, Fallbrook. Fallbrook was a one-horse town, uh, meaning one high school. I think there's about 50,000 people there when I was growing up in, in the 80s, uh, and my dad went to our high school there. My uncle was a a star running back there still holds some records from the 70s so he was like a legend in town uh you know homecoming king asb president type of guy and so my exposure to athletics started there as a four or five year old that i i can remember back going to those i get goosebumps talking about it jake going to those friday night football games at fallbrook high school afterwards the dew on the grass at nine o'clock when that game was over and I'd go throw the ball around with my dad and pretend like I was those Fallbrook Warriors catching the ball Absolutely. in the end zone. And that's my exposure to athletics and I fell in love with football specifically through that and you know something weird Jake I, I would see that the team marching out to the field and for whatever reason at four five six years old I wanted to be the players, yes, but more so I had this admiration for the head coach, Tom Pack, seeing him lead those guys out. He was like a god, you know, this otherworldly 
former uh, tight end for Colorado State, a big old man. And I would remember seeing him just around town growing up, 7-Eleven or at the grocery store and being like, man, that, that's my idol. That's someone I want to be and aspire to be, you know. So I kind of identified even at a young age more with the coaches than the players, which for whatever reason, looking back on my career, it's interesting to see now. But that's where my love of athletics started. Grew up, you know, playing baseball and, and all that as well. And then uh, uh, when I was 16 years old, my, my playing career came to a halt. So I played two years of high school football. I was in a really bad car accident at 16 years old uh, in the middle of the summer before my junior year. My friend was killed in that car accident. We hit a telephone pole doing uh, 60 miles per hour on the way home from church, um, nine o'clock at night, uh, just teenagers out. You know, we were, we were driving too fast. He, he, he was driving, I was in the rear in, in the uh, back seat and uh, my leg was destroyed. I spent uh, about 23 days in the hospital, had to learn how to walk again, pins, needles in my femur and all my toes. and. So my playing career came to an end. I was in a wheelchair most of my junior year during football season. And then uh, my senior year, I tried coming out and playing again. Very first day of spring football, uh, I, I broke my, re, re-broke two bones. Uh, and so my playing career was over. But that guy I told you about, Tom Pack, that hero, that legend was still there. And uh, he got me involved and said, hey, why don't you coach the freshman team? And my freshman coaches uh, asked me if I'd come down and just help out a little bit. And I fell in love as a 17, 18 year old kid, uh, fell in love with coaching my senior year of high school. And, uh, and then that, you know, kind of brings me to where I am today, being a principal. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot between there, obviously. Uh, coached high school football for 17 years, a year of junior college football, um, again, kind of wanted to be an athletic director. I spent time in Coach Pack's office as a junior in high school in that wheelchair in my athletic director's office one period of day as a teacher's assistant. And I said, man, this guy gets paid to do this. I want to do this, you know? And uh, then I, I, you know, got into teaching uh, t- uh, 2001. And then uh, that transitioned into something I knew I always wanted to do is become an athletic administrator. And uh, uh, you know, eventually moved up to the ranks and uh, became a head football coach for eight years and served as an athletic director for six years. And, and then as athletic administrator, being here in California, administrator who oversees athletics uh, the last two years, and then now first year here as a principal. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a story. I, I knew a little bit of it, but uh, uh, very cool to hear you fill in those uh, stories. I mean, gosh, and you're taking me back. I remember you know, vividly, like it's right now in fourth grade, my buddies and I, Friday night, we'd go hang out just outside the locker room of the high school to see the guys come charging out. And I remember saying, gosh, am I ever going to be that big? Am I ever going to be able to play high school football? So, well, great, great memories. Um, again, for our listeners, you know, Chris is, is truly um, a renaissance man. He has done it all. Uh, he kind of glossed over his coaching career highly successful uh, head coaching career at a couple of different programs in California. Also a, uh, a contributing author, if you will, uh, for, um, you know, coaching technique and, and videos. But uh, let's talk a little bit about that transition from head coach to AD and now from AD to principal. Uh, kind of walk us through that. 
So, yeah, like I said, you know, in high school, this AD who was a mentor of mine, I, I, I wanted to do that at some point, you know, depending on where you're listening here, obviously every state's different. In California, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you can't just jump into being a, an athletic director. You gotta be a teacher for a while. And so I spent time at a, a private school back in 2001 when I started teaching. Um, I, I was a teacher and then I had a very good relationship that athletic director at that school I met him when I was a freshman in high school at church and uh, he was married to our superintendent. And so I knew I'm never going to be able to be the athletic director at this school. I mean, he was one of these career athletic directors, tremendous man, uh, tremendous mentor to me has since passed away to, uh, to cancer, unfortunately, but, but I knew at some point here, uh, I'm going to have to make a transition from this school to go be an athletic director. And I loved the school, Linfield Christian School here in Southern California. Uh, but I, I was a, two years as an assistant varsity coach and I became a head coach there at 27 years old. And then after three years there as a head coach, I kind of had that talk with Scott one day, the athletic director, and I said, dude, I want to be a full-time AD. I, I don't enjoy teaching. I, I like it. I love working with kids. I'm not a classroom guy, like sitting in a classroom for, you know, six, seven hours a day. I just, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. And so at 32 years old, I said, you know, what's your advice, Scott? Because I don't think you're going anywhere anytime soon. And he said, yeah, I mean, he really tried talking me into staying there as the head football coach and teacher and all that. But uh, I really wanted to be an AD. So I, I went on that journey and, and it led me to a new school over in Orange County, Capistrano Valley Christian School. Uh, where I got ended up getting my first athletic director job, athletic director, head football coach. And it was there that I first started going to the athletic director conferences at our state level. And then I found out about NIAAA. And, and I've always, always been a big believer in professional growth. And so I started, you know, the courses and to become certified as an athletic administrator. I think that's very, very important. And, uh, and so I spent, spent some time there. Uh, and then worked as, as an athletic director for a couple of years at a, at a charter school. I, I enjoyed my time in the private sector, but I also knew that it doesn't pay as much as the public sector, at least the private sector I was in, the smaller school arena. And I also knew, you know, long-term wise, I really want to be an athletic administrator or become an assistant principal at a, at a large public school. That was kind of what I always had in the back of my mind and you know, a lot of reasons, benefits are better, the, the, the retirement's better, all those things. And so uh, I went back to school at uh, 37 years old to get my credential for the first time. And then, so I kind of had to go backwards, I had to go back to that classroom again in the public sector. Uh, so I taught special ed and coached football and then got the admin credential to, to become an official administrator uh, and that kind of brings me to where, where I am today as a principal now. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we talk in our profession about the importance of leadership and mentorship. And, and you've already mentioned a number of your mentors, you know, going all the way back to your high school coach, who would certainly you know, be one of my mentors as well. Um, what do you see your role now as a principal as far as mentoring your coaches and your teachers, you know, uh, what are some of the things that you do uh, to help them in, in their journey? Yeah, I, I love hiring new coaches. You know, I, I love, I've got a, a coach I hired, I think he was 18 years old, um, just loved football, who's now coaching, I think at the division two level, NCAA division two level now. 
And, and when we talk and text and everything, he, he always thanks me. And I, I'm appreciative of that, but I'm like, dude, you're, you're living a dream I had 15 years ago, you know, to coach at a, a high level of college football like that. I'm, I'm living through you. That's awesome. But I think giving, giving young people opportunities is what I love to do. It, as long as you see that hunger, thirst, passion, knowledge in them that they can do the job. And then just trying to come alongside and, and, and mentor, lead them. When, when you see them, you know, reaching out for help or, or making mistakes that you think can be, you know, their job can be done better this way or that way. Um, I think more than anything, just being available. You know, when I look back on my conversations and, and things with, with Coach Pack, you know, my high school coach, and then uh, Scott Raftery, I talked about that athletic director. They're, they're, a lot of that stuff I learned from wasn't, you know, official meetings with these guys. It was just the relationship that I, that I have built and just, you know, dropping in Scott's office for lunch. And so I think that the number one answer to your question there is just being available. You know, because uh, some guys need that mentorship and, and some some don't. So I think just being available for those guys and then and then also pushing them along, casting vision like, hey, you know what? So like as an athletic director with my head coaches, I always have that end of the year wrap up meeting. As an administrator, we have the end of the year wrap up meeting. And I always love to, to praise what I see going really well with their programs and then challenge them in some other areas like, hey, I. I appreciate how, you know, how much success you guys had this year, um, or I appreciate that you were 500, but, but man, you did a lot in the area of character building and you coached your tail off. You just didn't have much talent this year. Um, but I think your organizational skills need a little, little more help. And here's some, here's three ideas I have for you, how to carry them out. You know, uh, my strength, Jake is in the area of administration organization. Um, and so if I can help, and a lot of coaches aren't uh, real strong in that organizational side of things. And so that's, that's, I'd say the number one area I'm able to help coaches along the way is, is with the organizational management of their program. You know, um, you know, our paths uh, somewhat similar to a degree, you know, you spent um, a lot of your years in private schools, about the last 25 years of my career have been in private where I started out in public and, and college. But private schools have um, some advantages. They also have some challenges. So uh, from the private school perspective, what are some things that you think you feel that your school, you know, um, and its unique uh, uh, approach uh, and your coaches, what are some things that you think you do really, really well that, uh, you know, we're one of the best in the state at this particular area? So, you're talking about where I am now or the private schools I was at in the past? Well, uh, I would say let's start now. And then uh, if there was another school, let's, let's talk about that success too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say right now, you know, uh, our athletics here we're in, I think this is my first year. So I just started July 1st here as the principal. Um, our athletics are, uh, are a work in progress. They've been around, I think they started about four years ago. Um, it's interesting being a longtime career football guy. We do not have football at my high school here. Uh, and a lot of people are like, why the heck are you going there? You know, but uh, we'll see if, if we start one, uh, you know, start a program sometime here or not. Our school is, uh, it's a STEM school, science, technology, engineering, and math, very STEM focused. So that's what we do well here is really our STEM. It's a STEM charter school. 
of about 1,000 high school kids and then about 700 middle school kids, 6th, 7th, and 8th. So we're a 6th to 12th grade school. And to be honest with you, that, that's what we do the best, is our, the STEM education that we give our students. And, and athletics uh, has, has a little ways to go. Uh, they have won a few championships over the last you know, three or four years here in, in uh, boys volleyball specifically is a, is a pretty good program. Uh, we're, we're unique. We're, we're a charter school. Uh, most of the schools in our league are private schools. And then I think one or two uh, public schools in our league here. So uh, we're, we're competing against some, some pretty good schools that are heavily invested in, in athletics and that private side. As principal, I'm going to guess you value uh, a great teacher who can also bring something else to the table. You know, sometimes that's coaching. Sometimes, you know, that's running a club. Um, how, um, what's your percentage right now, uh, ballpark of, uh, coaches who are also teachers in the school? Yeah, we, we have got a tremendous teaching staff. We've got about 70 teachers here, highly, highly invested in our kids. Uh, the number of, you know, I, I don't know exactly across the board because again, we've got six to 12th grade athletics. Um, I've got an assistant principal who oversees athletics. And you know, to be honest with you, I should, I should know. I don't know exactly how many head coaches we have as teachers. I would guess we've got seven or eight, about 10% of our teachers, I think, are coaches on campus. And then uh, a bunch of them are also assistant coaches, campus supervisors, uh, instructional aides who are head coaches and assistant coaches. You know, I would say a good 80% of our teachers do something outside the classroom in, in terms of extracurricular. It might be running the yearbook club. I had a meeting right. with those guys this morning. Uh, robotics, we've got eight or nine. We've got a very strong robotics program here. We've got eight or nine teachers doing robotics. So we've got a high, high majority of our teachers that are involved outside the classroom. It, it is so important, Jake. You nailed it. When we hire, we want to hire people who, who can bring something else to the table. But as a principal, as an administrator, we're always going to make sure you're, you're a dynamite teacher first. You know, I'm not going to, uh, it's interesting, I'm reading a book right now about Barry Bonds uh, by Jeff Perlman. And there was a chapter in there that was really intriguing. Uh, he went to a private school out here, Sarah High School up near uh, San Francisco in California. And I know it. Uh, his principal was just ripped in a, uh, in a student newspaper about this article back in the 80s about how they were hiring less than quality teachers because they were great coaches, you know, and it created a real uh, storm up there for that community for, for about a month or so. Principal called the kid in and ripped him up for, you know, writing that article, which I don't believe in at all. They're, you know, you have to allow the kids to express their opinion, but it, it really made me question, you know, hiring practices as an administrator. Sure, we right now we're looking for some head coaches. I've got a few teaching openings right now, even though we're sitting here in, in the middle or middle of September, uh, we still have a few teaching openings, but I'll, I'll never sacrifice the educational side of uh, the position for the coaching side. I just, I, I don't believe in that. I've seen administrators do that. At the end of the day, you know, we, we are a school for a reason. If, if two people are, you know, even like, hey, they're, they're, you know, we're not sure which one we'll go with here as a teacher. We're going to hire the one that could bring something else to the table every day of the week, you know, but uh, we never want to hire a subpar teacher just because they're a champion basketball coach. I, I really don't believe in that at all. No, absolutely. You know, we're, we're blessed at my school. Uh, we have almost every single one of our head coaches 
uh, teaches or works on campus. And, um, and again, they, they all, they do a great job in the classroom and on the fields. You know, here in California, Jake, it's interesting. About 70% of our coaches are walk-on coaches up and down this whole state. 70%. And it, that, that really blows the mind of some people. Yeah, I, you know, out here in California, Jake, we're a little different. About 70% of our coaches are off-campus coaches or what we call in California walk-on coaches. You know, right. that's very unique. It's, it's very challenging. Unfortunately, uh, what we've seen the last 10 to 15 years here is when you get a teacher who's got tenure who coached and then they stop coaching, now that teacher has that position still. In some states, that teacher will lose their position as a teacher. California, it's not like that. So, you know, that's one of the issues is that we've got just an, an aging demographic of coaches who are taking up those spots um, or, or they decided, hey, I'm going to go coach at the junior college like I did as a special ed teacher. The last year I coached football, 2017, I was a special ed teacher. And then I, I went over to junior college to coach football. So there I was taking up a spot, you know, on the teaching staff. So it's, a, it's an interesting dilemma here in California, but you know, some of the best coaches I've worked around on my staffs have been firefighters, business owners. One of the best coaches at my former school, head softball coach, he's a nurse, you know? So it, it's a challenging situation to find coaches in California. No, absolutely. And we've had the same experience, you know, just some truly great uh, people to work with. They, they get it. And so, uh, you know, you want them coaching your kids. Let's go and shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about COVID. Um, certainly it's had an impact um, and continues to have an impact. We've seen a variety of responses from state associations, delaying seasons, canceling seasons, switching seasons around. Uh, even in Florida, uh, you know, we delayed for a month and, you know, we've been back, we've been back for on for seven weeks now. This is our seventh week back in school and we're going to play our third football game, but there's still schools in Miami that haven't even been back for practice. So it's been a, a variety of responses. So for you, what's happening right now in California? What's happening in your part? I know you're a little bit north of LA. Uh, you know, what's going on with return to school as well as return to play? Yeah, so right now, return to place, uh, CIF, the California Interscholastic Federation, you know, they govern high school athletics here in California. And on July 20th, they came out uh, with, with our plan here that we're following. And that is, uh, we, you know, traditionally three seasons, fall, winter, and spring, those have been pared down to two seasons, fall and spring. And so you took some of the uh, winter sports like uh, soccer and moved those into, you know, winter or fall. And then uh, basketball is moving into the spring. And so it's going to be, and so most of our sports are starting in December. And it's going to be a whirlwind. Athletic directors have never worked as hard as they're going to work, boy, especially, especially the spring season. It's going to be loaded. And so that's where we're at right now, uh, depending on the county you're in. You know, there's 57 counties, I believe. Depending on the county you're in, kind of depends on what you're allowed to do right now. Uh, most schools up and down California are, are in distance learning. They're not on campus at all. Some up and down the state uh, have just started to return a little bit in a hybrid model. And then there's a few that are back full time, uh, mainly in the private sector. So right now what, what some of our districts around the state are, are battling is uh, some you know, teacher unions who, who don't necessarily wanna go back to work. 
uh, because of the safety reasons, and some of those are uh, legitimate reasons. But uh, you've got some of our districts out here who said they're not going to go back to school at all until uh, the end of the first semester. You know, there's one, uh, Long Beach Unified, they're not back in school until January 28th. And so they're not returning at all until Jan 28th. Uh, school sports will start in December. So I don't know what the word is like in that specific district. If they don't have teachers and students on campus until January 28th, are they going to allow their kids to start sports uh, and competitions in December? I don't, I don't know. But uh, it is all over the map here with, with as many schools as we have, as many counties. I'm in LA County, which has been the hardest hit uh, with COVID-19. And so right now we're allowed to start in, uh, you know, in pods. Uh, and there's a lot of schools doing that. They're working out, bringing in, in kids, no, no more than 10 per, uh, per pod, and, and they're practicing that way. And then some schools just, uh, you know, they, they don't have permission at all from their districts to get going yet. So, but we're, we're a couple months out, you know, sitting here in September. We'll be starting sports in December. And I, I, I appreciate what CIF has done. I, I really do. There's some folks who don't. They see all these states playing right now, and they want CIF to change everything. But what we're also seeing in some of these states, now they're having to cancel some games because of outbreaks. So I, I like what CIF has done. I, I think we err on the side of caution here uh, for the health of everybody. Our, our rates are coming down uh, in California. And so that's a good thing. As soon as we open up, we're gonna see outbreaks. It's just gonna happen. And so we're gonna have to learn how to manage those when they come. But the further we can delay out that return and let this virus die, uh, I think you know the, the better we are. So I, you know, in my opinion, I think some states have pushed back too quickly, and I'm all about getting kids back to life. Definitely, I got three kids of my own at home; they want to be back. At the flip side, I think coming back too quick and then having to you know postpone and cancel creates a little bit of a headache too. No, absolutely. And uh, again, we, we mentioned there's been a, a variety of responses around the state and we've seen the, the colleges, you know, the colleges were all saying, hey, our kids are safe and, you know, we're contained and we've had games canceled uh, at the national level for colleges because of outbreaks. So, you know, yeah. good luck, uh, you know, with you and, and the rest of the state as this progresses. Jake, let me tell you this little story about our, our governor here and uh, be honest with you, a lot of challenges here with our governor, but in our state handbook for uh, collegiate athletics, it literally says you cannot have more than 12 student athletes in a pod together, okay? So the Pac-12 was saying, hey, UCLA, USC, you know, all, their, all these schools, we can't play football. And then uh, they, student athletes put a lot of pressure on the governor and on the state here. And then last week he came out and said, I never said you can't play football. <laughs> but in the opening, it says you can't have more than 12. So how are you going to play a football game with just 12 kids? You know, so it's the politics of it are just so frustrating, you know, but uh, it, it is what it is. We just got to do our best as leaders to, to give our kids the best. I've got up on my board over here. We want to be the best we can with what we can, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's helping to drive me and helping to make these decisions for our kids. Control what you can control. Okay. Yep. Yep. Cool. Chris, I mentioned earlier that you've got a lot of things going on. Uh, you run a very successful podcast, uh, The Coach's Locker Room, and you also have your uh, consulting business, uh, Eight Laces Consulting. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about those endeavors. 
Yeah, you know, Eight Laces Consulting is something, Jake, I started, I fell back into when I was unemployed. You know, some of those back in 2011 at that private school I was at, uh, brand new superintendent came in, wanted to make a change, brought in his own head football coach. And so at 37 years old, 35 years old, I'm out of a job for the first time in my life, married, two kids, a bun in the oven, got a third one coming. And, uh, you know, it, it was a bad time. It, it was right after the financial collapse and there were some changes made at our school and I ended up losing our house. And I, I don't wish that on anybody. But one thing, one positive thing that came out of it, because I always try to find something positive in life was I had some free time and I started writing and I found out I really love and I've always known I loved writing, but I never written much about sports and athletic management and all that. So I just started writing. I started a website just to market myself, trying to get a new job. And I said, I'm going to put 10 pages up on my website, coach4.org, C-O-A-C-H-F-O-R-E.org. That's now grown to 500 articles I have on there. And then I got on Twitter at the same time, social media for the first time in 2011. I would just tweet out some articles I was writing. And I found out that, you know, we talked earlier about mentorship and some coaches who need that help and assistance. And I found out I had something to give um, that I'd, I'd never really known, you know. And so um, I started writing about my job search uh, career at that time. I started writing about uh, just documents that I'd put together. And, hey, coaches, if you can use this, check this out. If you could use this, check this out. And I found there was a lot of thirst for that information. And then I, I, I took all these documents from eight years of being a head coach. I put all those in one manual. And I said, I wonder if anybody would ever pay for this thing. And so I put it as just a thumb drive on my website because I had so many requests for a lot of information. And then I'm like, dang, people were paying me 15 bucks for all this info that I already had. And so my gears just started turning. And then um, I've specialized in the shield punt, been using that since 2001. Before that became cool, I, I wrote a book on the shield punt. And so I just started building these resources on my website, uh, 8laces.org, E-I-G-H-T-L-A-C-E-S.org. Um, I, I love the job search process, resume building. I started kind of writing some stuff about that. Again, found out there was a big need out there because coach. Gotcha. Hey, we had a little internet glitch, but we're back. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure we left off exactly, but um, I started writing just all these articles and, and sharing them and found a lot of coaches were interested in them. And then I, I started a, a separate business webpage, 8laces.org, E-I-G-H-T-L-A-C-E-S.org, where I've got, you know, a bunch of products, books, videos that I've done and written. Uh, you know, most important, I'd say that the most active there is my, or I help coaches with their job search process. There's really not very many resources out there for coaches as they try to find a new job or market themselves, build their resume, their cover letter. I've got a lot of secrets that I use to help coaches. You know, the number one mistake coaches make in putting together resumes is they make them just like a business resume. And uh, that's not how you make a coaching resume. And so I've, I've solved that problem for coaches. And uh, I, I just, I really enjoy being able to help and mentor coaches specifically to their job search, their resume, portfolio, that sort of thing. It's, it's, uh, I just get a lot of joy. I got a message this morning on Twitter from a coach who's 2-0, and started his year 2-0 and as a head football coach. And he's like, man, if it wasn't for you, I never would have had this job. And, and I told him, hey, thanks for that. I appreciate it. But, uh, you know, all I did was help you with your resume. You, you've got a great career going and, and congratulations on being 2-0. 
Well, I just saw today on Twitter, uh, one of your posts, you had, uh, I think there were six or eight questions for a head coach interview. And uh, yeah. I, so, a couple of those we had used, but the rest, I said, wow, those are good questions. We got to use those. So yeah. Uh, yeah. listeners, that's 8laces uh, Consulting, 8laces.org, correct? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yep. Well, Chris, this has just been great uh, getting to know you a little bit and visiting, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Now, uh, you have certainly, you know, walked in a lot of different shoes. You've been that head coach, you've been that AD, and now you're the principal. So I'm tasking you with sending out a brand new AD, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items? are going to go in your athletic director toolbox? Holy smokes, that's a great question. What three items are going in the toolbox? I'd say, you know, I'm not trying to market my, my own manual here, but I'll, I'll say this. I've got a manual on my website called the uh, Insiders. No, what is it called? The Athletic Director Manual, I think it's called. It's uh, 105 forms, documents, and templates every athletic director needs. And so I would say I would want that in their toolbox and it doesn't have to be my manual because there's other ones out there, but that organizational piece and a, a good athletic director is going to have every document he needs in one folder on Google drive or on, you know, that, that's very organized facilities, transportation, hiring, you know, schedules, uh, transport, uh, transportation, I said facilities. So, some type of organizational piece there every single coach every single athletic director has got to have that that organizational philosophy or system in place that's the number one thing i think every ad needs i think the second thing to go in their toolbox boy that's a tough question the second thing in their toolbox i would say would be a mentor you know somebody that that they could pick up the phone and call that's something I'm starting out here in California as the president of the California Coaches Association. I have a vision to start a mentor program where it'll be for head coaches. You're a brand new head coach. You want a mentor, sign up here, and then I'm going to partner you with veteran head coaches who have signed up to be mentors. And I just really believe in that. So I would say the second thing to put in that toolbox is, hey, here's, here is, you know, this guy, the guy out here in California named Ray Moore, who's now retired, but one of the best ADs in the history of California, I'd give him Ray Moore's phone number. Here's a mentor for you to call. Um, and I think the third thing I would give them would be, I think, perfect answer, uh, uh, membership to this state and or national organization of athletic administrators, because I believe there's, there's so many things that especially a young athletic director needs to know that, that those associations could help provide him with. Great answers and uh, coming from somebody who, who definitely knows his stuff. You know, Chris Ford, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, Jake, thank you. I really appreciate the time to talk sports and, and uh, love doing this. So I appreciate your time. Well, all the best to you and uh, Palmdale Aerospace Academy as the season's uh, are getting ready to unfold in California. And to our listeners, thanks as always for tuning in. Come back again next time for another edition of the Educational AD. Thanks again for listening. Remember the Zoom recording of this interview 
is up on YouTube. Go to the Educational AD FIAAA YouTube channel to watch. Thanks again.